Welcome to the Flock Talk Podcast. My name's Gary Snyder. Rex Gardner and T. Ivy will join me shortly. We welcome the month of November to shave or not to shave. We'll talk about that later on the show. Variety of ways of getting part of the show. Facebook page of Flock Talk and at U of O Flock Talk. Follow all of us on Twitter. My handle is at GSign34, at RexGardner12, and at TIV55. We say hello to our podcast partners, SoundCloud and iTunes. Like and subscribe to all shows by searching any of our names on those affiliates. Thank you for listening all around the country. We got lots to get into today. Game 7 of the World Series. Talk about that. Man, MLB is not going anywhere. That was a great series to watch. Game 7, not so much, but uh, we'll mention that in a little bit. Week 10 of college football. College football rankings came out Tuesday. Yeah, people aren't happy. Uh, chill out, guys. Got a lot of college football yet to play. Alabama is at number two behind number one, Georgia. Also, some more unbeaten teams. Wisconsin, Miami are the only un- the other unbeaten teams, and they're at nine and ten, respectively. Uh, a lot of people are upset because of that. Six unbeatens right in front of them. Uh, talk a lot about that coming up. Ducks beat Utah this weekend at Austin Stadium, 41-20. Recap that game. Big Pac-12 matchup in Seattle this Saturday. Ducks traveling to take on the rival Huskies. Break that game down and more. Also get to your Facebook and Twitter questions. Had a pretty good poll question last night on Twitter. We'll get to those results. And uh, boys, the question is, are you guys participating in No Shave November? I'm not. Yeah, I probably won't either. Even You won't notice one way or another with me, though. (laughs) All right, sounds good. Just had to ask that question before we get into uh, the Rex report. So, Rex, take it away. Well, Gary, just as we know, the Ducks won 41-20 to on Saturday over Utah, which made all of us, I know, feel really, really good. Uh, That brings the Ducks to 5-4, 2-4 in Pac-12. We're sitting in sole position and fourth in the Pac-12 North, um, right behind Stanford, Washington, and Washington State. Uh, so we do got a one-game lead over Cal and two-game lead over the Beavs. Uh, going into just some stats for the Utah game here real quick. Uh, Braxton Burmeister, uh, a little bit better game. No no turnovers for him. So 9 of 12, 47 yards passing. Still didn't throw the ball much down the field, but uh, was effective in the passing game. You know, they, they, they helped uh, get first downs and uh, spread the field a little bit for the running game, I thought. So he did throw a touchdown pass and uh, – Charles Nelson also won one of one with 22 yards and a touchdown as well. And then uh, going into the running game, Royce Freeman, uh, 20, 20 carries, 139 yards. Uh, no touchdowns on the night, but was obviously extremely effective uh, the whole game. Tony Brooks James, only six carries, but 105 yards and a touchdown, uh, averaging 17 and a half yards a carry. Uh, he was extremely effective, to say the least, and uh, – so it just seems like Utah couldn't figure out how to tackle him or even touch him. And Ivan Wall also only nine carries, 71 yards for a touchdown. Taj Griffin got a couple carries. Uh, first time we've seen him kind of in the backfield this season. And uh, he made the most of his carries, three carries, 26 yards. And Braxton Burmeister, nine carries, 14 yards. So he Braxton ran pretty good from the quarterback position as well. Uh, Jake Breland caught that touchdown pass from Charles Nelson. That was his only catch of the night for 22 yards. Uh, Charles Nelson, Schooler, Taj Griffin, Dylan Mitchell, Johnny Johnson, Cam McCormick, and Barry McNeil all with a catch. McCormick with one touchdown. And going to the defensive side of the ball, Troy Dye led the team with 11 tackles, five solo. Thomas Graham also six tackles, five solo. Jalen Jelks, Jimmy Swain, both five tackles. Uh, Tyree Robinson, Laura Winston Jr., Justin Hollins, Jonah Moy, Brady Breeze all with four as well. 
going just some yearly stats and some uh, some records getting set at the U of O. Uh, Royce Freeman is uh, starting out. He's going to be named one of the 18 semifinalists for the Maxwell Award, which is the uh, nation's best uh, college football player. After 347 yards on Saturday, uh, including the 139 from Royce Freeman, Oregon is now 14th nationally with 256 yards per per game on the ground, and uh, Re Freeman is ranked 11th at 121.8. Uh, some records here for Royce himself. Uh, he's the all-time career rush rushing leader at Oregon with 54, and he has 1,082 rushing yards on the year, which making him third his third season with 1,000 yards total at Oregon. Uh, first Oregon player to accumulate 6,000 all-purpose yards in history and a Doak Walker candidate. Uh, Ducks broke up seven passes. First Utes, that's uh, 51 total. Uh, six more than anyone else in college football. Springs has 14 by himself, which is tied for the second in the nation. Troy Dye led the Ducks 11 tackles. Now has 80 this season. That's 14th in the country. And after four more Saturday, Oregon is uh, ranked, Oregon is second nationally with 30 sacks. Jokes has six, which is 23rd, and Jonah Moy and Henry Mondu have five each, respectively. And then quick injury update here. Uh, Doug Brenner is out for a season, hip injury. That's a tough loss for a senior. Um, and then also still out is the Palu, and then guys that are listed as questionable for the game Saturday game against the Huskies. A.J. Hodgkins, Blake Rugraff, Justin Herbert, Scott Pagano, Taylor Alley. So that, that'll be interesting to see who gets to go and who doesn't. Um, and then Rob Mosley did tweet out that uh, the QB order for who was taking first team, second team, third team snaps at practice yesterday was Herbert taking first team snaps, Spurmeister with the second team. So that'll be interesting to see what that means or if that means anything at all. And that'll be the, it for the Rex report. Okay, moving on to offensive-defense now. Uh, man, after multiple weeks of offensive struggles, finally the Ducks explode for 41 points and over 400 yards in total offense and a win against Utah. Uh, the offensive show in Eugene was much needed. T, I'll let you go first. Uh, what did you see out there for the uh, the Ducks? Yeah, before we get started, man, I actually didn't get to watch the game. Uh, I was in I was in fr uh, freaking Cougar and Husky country, actually, <laughs> in Washington. Um I just want to talk about, man, how good Jerry Allen and Steve Tannen are for the, the radio team for the Ducks. I felt like I was in Austin when I was listening to Jerry Allen. The guy, man, I was just like, I haven't, it was, it was awesome just to listen to a Duck game from a different perspective. Uh, I've actually never listened to a full one. I've listened to bits and pieces. But that was, I mean, just huge shout out to those guys. Those guys are so good. Um, you know, what we're, we're doing and then to kind of listen to them and realize how hard it is. Those guys are awesome. But yeah, so what I heard Saturday um, was exactly what Duck fans and players needed. Um, you know, Oregon, we're addicted to offense. We love to see the big plays. We love we love the total yards. We love the points. Um, so it was great to see. It was definitely needed by the players, too, because, you know, they were kind of getting frustrated. You could tell uh, uh, Braxton Burmeister had to talk after the UCLA game and say to hang with him, and he's going to figure it out. And you know what? He did exactly what, what uh, he said he was going to do. <laughs> To have no turnovers and that's all he has that's all he has to do not turn the football over because this running game is so damn good that if you don't turn the ball over uh we're gonna be fine we're gonna be just fine you're doing your job and finally rex we've been calling you've been calling for you called for a trick play last week and i've been calling for it for three weeks now and we finally got one guess what it was a touchdown so that was kind of awesome to see 
Um, so yeah, we played really efficient football on offense and uh, excited to see what's going forward. Yeah, I think it was uh, a mixture of everybody kind of stepping up. You know, uh, Willie Taggart said that they watched game film uh, as a whole team together, kind of see that everybody was messing up, not just Braxton Burmeister. And uh, I think that was probably, he said that he thinks was a major impact on the way they played and the way they prepared all week. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think just it, at all positions, it really changed. But offense, more specifically, uh, they just they they found a way to get either third and short, or if they were in third down, they found a way to get some third downs converted and scored on the opening drive, which we, ha we haven't seen much of this year or even or last year as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, Braxton Burmeister played really well. Uh, I mean, threw well. He threw the ball well, and you know he they opened the playbook up for him, but they still kept it simple, and which is what I think needed to be done, right? So they were like the, he was rolling out and throwing on the run and throwing, you know, only having to read about half the field instead of the whole field. Uh, that was a big difference. And then that opens up the running game, as you could see, because the, we ran with pretty much pretty much ease the whole game. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, that was huge. And then, like you said, that trick play was, was really huge. And uh, Charles made a good play. Breland made a good catch. So, yeah, it was about – I mean, it was just – everything kind of clicked finally. You know, it only – I mean, it, you know, it sounds like finally, like, been forever. It was only – you know, it was three weeks. Uh, yeah. and I mean, so Braxton figured it out pretty fast. He's got great, good arm, good legs. And I, I mean, he could be the guy, you know, someday down the road. I totally could see that easily. Yeah. He needs some, he needs some room to improve. There's going to be a lot to learn. Um, I think maybe even next year, if, if we get, uh, uh, Herbert, if he stays healthy next year, I think that maybe they redshirt him again. I mean, why not? Um, so let's see, we, he's still got a year or two to learn. He's had, he had a great game. This is something to build on. So I'm excited for his future. Me too. Yeah. I, th I, I mean, I, I could see them retro him too, but uh, the only thing is you don't have Taylor Alley anymore. So you have to, you have, you wouldn't have a backup unless. Um, That's a true freshman came. There's a couple of true freshmen coming in that are real good, but we'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's no, there's yeah, no, be, no, once he's, you know, once he's already played, they probably won't retro him because, you know, he's yeah. already got really good game experience. Got three exactly. or four games. I mean, and yeah. if he, Herbert goes down again, you know, it's going to be less of a, well, okay, well, Braxton's going to come in and we know what yeah. we're going to get from him. And he's, Hopefully he's, he's not going to, yeah, he's not going to be, yeah, exactly. I don't, Gosh, every other I don't know if he will. I don't think he will either, but damn, I mean, every other quarterback's transferring. We got two of them this year, so. Talking defense now, Willie Taggart tweeting after the game, winning is living, go Ducks. Pretty simple tweet uh, from head coach there. Um, after. Also, uh, Jim Levitt tweeting after the game. Appreciate all our players so much. Joe gave a great speech before the game. Inspired me. Drinking a nice cold Pepsi tastes so good. And also a day after the game, after he watched the film, he says, just finished the film. Guys on defense played so hard with so much passion. Jumps out of the screen. You can hear them shout for joy. Uh, the Ducks did give up 20 points to a pretty good Utah defense. I mean, U Utah's quarterback, Huntley, 25 for 43 with 293 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, pretty good yards and two touchdowns, pretty good stats. Uh, boys, what are you guys impressed with the Oregon defense? Well, I mean, I, I was most impressed with, uh, seem, in my experience as a Duck fan, just watching Duck games my whole life, uh, We, you know, our defense hasn't been our strong suit. And uh, this year is probably the first year I, I, that our defense has kind of been something to hang the hat on. But, um it seemed like just in past years, every time the Ducks let a team get about to the our 40-yard line, they're, you know, closing in on the end zone. 
it was like almost a foregone conclusion. Like, okay, you know, they're going to score here. They're on, you know, in our territory. And uh, in the first half, they didn't have a touchdown, two field goals. And both times, uh, Utah had really good looks to score. And then a couple times later, they had did that second half. And then they did score on that one weird tipped offensive line, caught it on his back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, freak play. So uh, that was most impressive to me was uh, even as uh, Utah closed in and in the red zone there, uh, we pretty we were pretty good at, you know, stopping them or stopping them on the goal line. And uh, those are always pretty fun to that's always a pretty good morale boost when you can stop a team right there close to the end zone. Yeah, Rex, I, I agree. Um, but, you know, I'm going to take it a step further. Uh, I don't want to get too carried away here, but is Jim Le- Jim Levitt's the assistant coach of the year in the country. I mean, he has to be, right? I mean, taking a defense that was what? What were they, 119 or something like that last year in, in total yeah. defense? It was just awful. I mean, it was awful. It was terrible. Um, to turn around that so fast is is so damn impressive, um, especially with mostly sophomores and freshmen. There's, we're starting freshman nose tackle, sophomore Mike backers. Um, it's it's insane. Um, so this is, this is some of the most impressive coaching I have ever seen. I mean – who could who would expect that? I mean, if they if we got the defense back, you know, the 80, 70, 60, it's somewhere in there. But this defense is one of the most stout in the Pac-12. Um, we're not giving up. I mean, really, we gave up 13 points because that one was a freak play. And, and you know, Utah, give give Utah. I mean, their offense is good. I mean, they got Hundley, they got Carrington, they got a good running back, they have a good running game. Um, so I, I I'll give well, the players a ton of credit too. They're making the plays. But Levitt, that's I mean, what his him and his staff has done is. I don't. I mean, it's it's insane. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, and I, I think obviously Carrington did his thing. You know, he's you know yeah. it was tough to watch him in a different uniform, but he's he's obviously a really really good wide receiver, uh, and you know slowing him down to only 130 yards or whatever it was. Yeah, you're uh, not gonna stop him. You're not yeah, gonna but, stop him. You know, he didn't. We didn't. We kept him out of the end zone, and he, exactly. he as we've known, as I've we've seen him before, he's susceptible to getting the ball stripped, and that's what we did when we scored that touchdown uh, when Ugo scored. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Huntley did bail us out a couple times. He he didn't throw the ball actually all entirely well. He had some good numbers, but uh, he did throw the ball 40 times. So yeah. uh, he, he overthrew Carrington a few times and, uh, yeah, it kind of bailed us out at a few spots. But other than that, I mean, yeah, like you said, it was a pretty solid performance. They had two touchdowns, one on that freak fourth and goal offensive lineman catch. And then other than that, they had one good drive there, right, to start the second half and or, or I think it was it starts in the third quarter there that other than that it was uh pretty I mean they were pretty at much at a standstill the whole game they they got some yards but never really anything more than that yeah you know what you know what practice uh Levitt was telling them to try to strip the ball from Carrington as we know he's got fumble issues um you know they're really preaching turnovers and they finally got one that went for a touchdown that was that was huge um kind of freaked out. I was driving down I-5 and and that happened, and damn, I was excited. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're giving this defense enough credit. Um, I mean, yeah, people are excited about it, but, I mean, come week in, week out, this defense is not giving up points. I mean, Stanford was a little bit different, but we were out of that game from first quarter. But I'm loving how this defense is playing. I'm excited for the future for this defense. Um, yeah, I'm hoping we can sign Levitt to a big, big, juicy contract. Well, he already has a pretty big, juicy contract contract the guy i kind of want to talk about again uh just because you've been giving him all the love this year is arion springs real quick just because he played really good on carrington uh that breakup he had in the end zone 
uh, without getting a flag, which is a fade route. That's really hard to do. He turned around and uh, was facing the ball and had it make really good play on it. He just played really good uh, pretty much all, all the whole game, I thought. And uh, his interview was pretty funny after the game. But, uh, yeah, I thought he just played un unreal along with the other all the other guys. But uh, him in particular, his, his, he's just had a great season so far. Yeah, let's sign Levitt to a lifetime contract. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Flock Talk today on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, breaking down film, TIV watched it. Now he's going to talk about it. T, take it over. Like last week, um, I watched a film this week on a complete stud for Oregon. Um, that's going to be the stud left tackle, Tyrell Crosby. Um, senior. He's a senior. Crosby is all of 6'5 and 320 pounds. He's the, he's the ideal height and weight for an NFL tackle. <laughs> Uh, I dove deep into my favorite position group of football, obviously the, the offensive line, uh, to come up with a few reasons why Crosby has NFL GMs and coaches drooling to get their hands on him. Uh, yeah, so the first reason was punch power. Um, I went back to, to when Oregon faced Wyoming uh, in Wyoming, and I watched nearly the whole game because how dominant he was. He was, his, he was jumping off the screen. Um, when going back to this game, the first thing I noticed was just this devastating punch power. The big guy got – the big guy got his paws on you as a D lineman, you were basically done. Um, Crosby plays with his hands well. The scary thing was, even if Crosby didn't have his hands inside, he still won um, against basically everyone. Um, I'm sure everyone knows the saying, inside hands win in football, uh, especially within the trenches. But with Crosby, it's hands anywhere, and he wins. So um, that's, that, was, that was NFL level hands. Reason two, uh, he's, he has really good feet for 6'5", 320. I mean, when you when you analyze high school linemen, how good they are, you know, you, you, you rate them like I do for three months out of the year, you get these linemen that are very undersized but have excellent feet. And as a, so as a coach, you feel okay sending them out there knowing they're undersized. Their feet obviously can make up for their lack of size. It's not often you see a big dude like Crosby, 6'5", 320, with really, with like really good small quick man feet, and with at Crosby, you're getting both. Um, he's light on his toes, and I'll give you an example. Late in the first quarter of the Wyoming game, they're they're much faster. Dean, he was undersized. The Dean was undersized. He was fast, um, but he wasn't big. Crosby was dominating most of the game. He put a he put a really good spin move on Crosby. It was quick. Um, it was it was going back to the inside, and I was thinking, finally, this Dean finally is going to beat him. He's he's going to get some pressure on Herbert. And of course, uh, Crosby reset his hips, took a slide step down, and cut the DN spin move off. It was a thing of beauty. Um, so NFL scouts are going to see his feet and just going to get excited. And that's why he's a top three prospect right now. Um, the only thing I really noticed that Crosby can improve on is his pad level. To an extent, you expect big linemen like Crosby to play a bit higher than other guys because it's natural. And Oregon's offense and blocking techniques allow for, them for a higher pad level compared to a team like, say, Stanford, or, you know, Army, where they run, you know, more downhill, downhill type of offenses. However, there are a few, there are a few run, uh, run block gap schemes, downhill blocks. That I'd love to see Crosby come low, keep that pad level down and just eat guys. Cause he can, uh, that's, I mean, that's how he's, he's that good. He's that big. He's that strong. Um, I expect, I, I really expect Crosby to be a first or second O-line taken in the draft and be a pro bowl type player in the NFL. So I'm really excited for his future. He'll be one of the best linemen to come out of Oregon. T.I.V. there talking the film room. Moving on to our poll question this week. Uh, we did it on Twitter. And our question was, should Oregon football risk playing Justin Herbert this week against the Huskies? 
Uh, and I also noted in there next week the Ducks do have a bye. Uh, we had pretty good uh, results from this. 72% said yes. 28% said no. Uh, Rex and T, what's your input on this? Well, this is a tough one because as a you know fan and wanting to beat the Huskies, I really want to say yes because obviously you want Herbert, your best one of your best players out there. Uh, it gives you the best chance of win. But on the contrary, um, I also want to say no, and that's kind of what I'm leaning towards the most, just because you get a whole two weeks extra rest and for him to get reps with the first team and kind of get back in the thick of things and uh, get some rust off and then have to, you know, gear up to play a really good Arizona team and then the, the Civil War at home to try to get bowl eligible. So, I mean, granted, I think the doc team doctor is going to know more than any of us will, but it – uh. It seems like a higher risk. It seems like the reward to the risk is higher. Um, I don't know. That's just my thoughts right now, at least. Yeah, and I try to put myself in Taggart's shoes, and I said the only way you play him, the only way you you won't play him is if you ask a doctor and you say, can he take? Is he a hundred? Is he a hundred percent first off? And can he take a hit without any rehurting? If he says no, then you don't play him at all. You do not yeah. play him. There's no risk. There's no reason. We're five and four. Um, we're, I mean, even with Herbert, it's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, and if he can't take a hit, and if, you know, if he if he's not 100, percent there's no reason. There's just no reason to play him. Um, so he's got to, the doctor for me. It'd have to say the doctor would have to say he's 100, percent no limitations, um, shoulders perfect, and stuff. He'd have to say stuff like that. Other than that, no, no reason to play him. Get him the buy. Get him back for uh, Arizona, and, and then we'll go from there. And uh, not to take it the wrong way, but I don't think uh, he would give us much more of a chance to win than Braxton right now, just because of the fact that it would be his first game back. And assuming that maybe he is limited, uh, I d- I just don't think with Washington the way their defense is and their front seven. Um, we're still going to run the ball, I would assume, a lot. And um, that'll still be our, our main goal, will be to run the ball, um, regardless who's playing quarterback. And I think uh, Herbert gives you, gives you obviously, the best chance to beat Arizona at home and Oregon State and then win a bowl game. So I think if you could have him for those three, that's more beneficial than having him just for um, this being in Seattle. Yeah, if there's any 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 – a chance of re-injury or, you know, if he's not hundred percent, if there's any limitations on his game, yeah. you don't play him. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as that. You don't listen. I mean, the, the fans want him to play and, you know, I would love to see him play, but cause I'm a fan, but you, you don't, you can't listen to anyone, but the doctor and Herbert himself. And I don't imagine them playing him if they, he's not a hundred percent as either. I don't think, right. They won't. I don't think they won't. But I'm, yeah, I, I really don't think he'll play. I don't think he'll play. We also thanks James Forkham commenting on our post as well on Facebook. Uh, this is what he said. If it was up to me, and even if Herbert is healthy, I wouldn't bring him back against Washington. Even if we lose after that, we have a bye, and then we could get an extra week and a comeback for Arizona and Oregon State. Uh, thanks, Forkham, commenting on our post. You can do the same, commenting on our post on Facebook at U of O Flock Talk. We need some more posts on that. Everyone post. Say something. We'll, we'll get you on here. Yeah. Get you guys on and uh, get you recognized. Let's transition to this week. 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Oregon travels to Washington. Uh, guys, do the real question is, do the Ducks have a chance? 
Yeah, well, they got a chance. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You're saying there's uh, a chance? <laughs> wow, well, Washington. What you know, Washington is Washington. You know, they they're kind of they can they can mess up just like anybody. I think mm -hmm. uh, the Ducks have a good enough defense and uh, good enough weapons that we can make some plays. Uh, but I mean, I wouldn't bet money on it. I don't. I don't know for 28 point underdog like they had to start out, but uh, I don't know. I, I think if, yeah, like you said, you know, you can get some. They they got a chance maybe, but I think turnovers. Uh, if you can get some turnovers, win the turnover battle, uh, get a couple big plays, run the ball, uh, maybe throw the maybe throw for over a hundred yards. I think we got a, a little bit of a chance at least. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not sure if we can win. Even if we play like we did at Utah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think the Ducks should be. Their mindset should be thinking. Win. I mean, they should be thinking win, but they shouldn't be thinking. I don't want to put the extra pressure on them to win this type of game. They should be thinking about themselves. It's like uh, a little bit, even a little bit better than you in, in Utah. Um, that's all they should be thinking about, and just see what happens. Um, so that's what Levitt should be saying and, and Tagger. Just see what happens. Get on there, play it, play as perfect football game as you can, and see what happens. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Um, but you know, you guys know the defense will be ready. And, uh, could you imagine saying that last year, uh, Washington, Washington, <laughs> no. going up to Washington and, and saying the defense will be ready. No, you wouldn't be saying well, that. Washington, so. hung, Washington hung what? 70 on us and Austin yeah, last year. 72, whatever. They just, I mean, yeah. it was like we were out there, they were, they were scrimmaging pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, just, I mean, just you go out there. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Try to play as good as you can play. And uh, see what happens. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Tell you a little bit about the Washington Huskies. Got a record of 7-1, and 4-1 and one in the Pac-12 Conference. Only loss coming at Arizona State, losing at 13-7. Got a bounce-back win last week versus UCLA. Won that game 44-23. Guys, what do you guys like most about Washington? I mean, defensively, their front seven's pretty tough. Uh, their corners are pretty young, but they uh, – they're doing just as good too. So defensively, they're really solid. And then their quarterback play, Jake Browning, is uh, consistent, and he he's got big plays in him, and uh, you know what you're going to get from him. So I they got, I mean, good running back as well. So they're they're solid all around. Yeah, they I mean they got a good winning formula. They got a good defense with experienced quarterback play. Um, in the Pac-12 and Division One football, that's kind of that's kind of uh, the the formula to be a really really good team. I mean, if you look at some of the top teams in the country. That's that's what they do. They play really good defense. They have a good they have a good solid experienced quarterback, and they, they win games because of that. Time to talk about some MLB baseball in the World Series. Last night, Houston Astros won the World Series and first time in franchise history, knocking off the Dodgers last night, five to one. And here are the final words from Joe Buck. What's interesting to me, Brian McCann, a perennial all-star in the National League, went over to the Yankees, was going to be part of the Yankees' success, traded over here because of the Sanchez success. Here's a ground ball right side, could do it. The Houston Astros are world champions for the first time in franchise history. Joe Buck there, Fox Sports and the MLB Network. Astros winning the World Series and first time in franchise history. Uh, Springer getting the MLB most valuable player. He had five homers in this uh, World Series. Uh, just incredible hitting. Uh, last night he was two for five, got in two runs, two RBIs. Uh, he averaged 
37% for the whole series. So uh, pretty good batting there. Uh, game 7, go back if you didn't catch that game last night. Uh, kind of a boring game. Only five hits by Houston, six hits by the Dodgers. Uh, Houston started off real hot, getting two runs in the first off of an error on the Dodgers, uh, and then they got three runs in the second inning. Dodgers only scored uh, their one run in the sixth inning. Uh, kind of a fun fact here. Dodgers scored in the sixth inning in all these games. So uh, pretty cool stat there by the Dodgers. Um, going back to game five is unbelievable. Uh, I know there was three games before we had this show. But game five was unbelievable. Probably the craziest games I've ever seen uh, in a baseball game. Astros did win that game 13-12. to 12. Going back to college football now. The college football playoff rankings in the committee came out with uh, the first four in, last two out, and also the top 25. We got two unbeatens uh, at number nine and number 10, Wisconsin and Miami. Then we got six one-loss teams from nine to three with the two undefeated powerhouses, Georgia and Alabama. Your guys' thoughts on Alabama being number two and Georgia being number one, guys? Yeah, I, I like it. I'm sold on Georgia. They've played a tough schedule so far, beat Notre Dame. Um, and I think they're going to win out. I think they'll be undefeated uh, headed into the SEC championship game. Uh, I like Alabama, too, just because they haven't played anybody. Obviously, they're really good, so it makes sense not to have them all the way down at number nine with Wisconsin. But uh, mm -hmm. I like Wisconsin down there, too, because, you know, they haven't played anybody. Miami hasn't played anybody, and they haven't looked impressive, but they've, they're undefeated, so they get some love. But, yeah, I like the rankings. They emphasize head-to-head -head wins. That's kind of what the college football playoffs all about. Yeah, Georgia. I think Georgia number one is a good call. Um, I think they play a tougher schedule than Alabama. Alabama has been dominant. I mean, they're going to be up there when it when it's all said and done. It doesn't like like Nick Saban said. It does not really matter what they are right now because the re the year that uh, Ohio State beat Oregon, they started at sixteen. So it really it it really doesn't matter where they are right now. But it's fun to talk about. Um, yeah, like the Wisconsin and Miami are being challenged to play a tougher schedule. Um, this is that human element that that. Uh, that is introduced with the with the committee of actual people, unlike the BCS. BCS probably would have had Wisconsin, Miami, number one and two, and Georgia and Alabama, three and four. Um, but yeah, um, well, I like that. I like that they're putting even one last team. Teams is it, it just shows that there's a human element. There's you know schedule. Um, the schedule strength of schedule is a big thing. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I pretty much agree with their top four, maybe. Maybe not Notre Dame necessarily, but we'll see what happens. And I, I really like Notre Dame, actually, because um, I think they look really, really good so far. I mean, their one loss is to Georgia by one point. And then everybody, you know, they beat Michigan State, and which is a good win. Uh, they beat USC by 35 and beat just beat a top 15 NC State team. So I, I'm actually sold on Notre Dame. I think – Yeah, I'm just – that's just a bias thing, Rex. You know? That's true. I just, you're not, I just yeah. hate Notre Dame. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think – I think about their schedule. They, they play a tough I, schedule. I think as far as the top eight goes, they have the best chance right now just because Alabama and Georgia will have to face off. Clemson and uh, Miami, kind of same conference. Uh, Oklahoma – or Ohio State, Penn State, same conference. So um, them being kind of in that – uh, not having conference, it kind of gives them actually a little advantage, I think, this year. They also beat a tough USC team. Um, another thing I noticed is <clears throat> Washington all the way down to 12. Um, I think that's a little low. I think I think they should either be right right with Wisconsin and Miami, or either right above them or right in the middle of them. Or, but they're definitely I think they're definitely should be ahead of Oklahoma State that also sits at seven and one. 
even if they yeah. lost, I mean, Arizona State's playing better, and, and it's still a Pac-12. We still got to, you know, playing in the Pac-12 was one of the best conferences, top three conferences in the in the nation. So let's let's give Washington a little more love here. Yeah, and they they the what's gonna bite them is that horrible non-conference schedule they had. Uh, right. Didn't play anybody. Uh, Rutgers, Montana, and Fresno State. That that really hurts you. Right, but they, I mean, to be seven and one in the Pac-12 is still impressive. Boys, before we wrap things up here, I got a fun fact for you about uh, Flock Talk stats. Top cities that we uh, have our audience from. Eugene, Oregon. Tell me something that we're not doing right. Once again, thank you for listening to the Flock Talk. I'm Gary Snyder. Alongside me, Rex Gardner and T.I.V. Once again, Oregon at Washington this weekend. Fox Sports 1, 7 o'clock kickoff. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk next week.